And welcome to My Bloody Horrorcast. This is Steph. And I'm Carrie. And this is episode 10. We've made it to 10 episodes. Steph, I'm pretty impressed with this, actually. Me too. It's, um, been, it's been a wild year of uh, My Bloody Horrorcast, and through all our incredibly busy schedules, here we are. Yeah. You know? Um, we've, uh, we've gained a couple of viewers, gained a couple of fans in the meantime, and uh, we've watched some amazing films. Over yeah. the course of these past ten episodes. And we've met some cool people to talk about horror movies with. We really have. We're very lucky to live here in Athens, Georgia, because we have such a great community of cult and horror film fans, and it just makes what we do so much more enriching. Mm-hmm. So, this is our Friday the 13th episode. Yeah, uh, hopefully we get everything together and you are listening to this on Friday the 13th. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's our goal. Even though some of the films that we're going to talk about were not actually, wouldn't have actually taken place on Friday the 13th, they were still Friday the 13th films. Mm-hmm. And our podcast, hopefully, is taking place on Friday the 13th. Yeah, we want to do an episode just on the entire franchise, which personally, I think is one of the strongest horror franchises. Absolutely. Like, it has a lot of weak points, but it's um, it's a million times more fun than the Halloween franchise. Yeah, and and if you look at at popular culture in general and how the Friday the 13th series has influenced that, there's a lot of stuff. There's a a lot of material. It's influenced in a lot of different ways through a lot of different mediums, and we'll we'll talk about those things tonight. Um, But really quick, do we want to talk about some things we watched? I think we should, because a couple of those we watched together. Yeah. So Carrie and I went and saw Mother together a while ago, um, the latest Darren Aronofsky movie. Mm-hmm. I am not a fan of his movies. Carrie is. Um, actually, I don't even remember what you thought about it. I liked it, and the more I thought about it, I loved it. It's a great. No, it, it also it's one of those films where I think like a lot of of, of good films, um, um, albums, things like that. Sometimes you need a little bit of reflection to to figure out what you think about it. I think Mother is a, a pretty impressive film. It's mm-hmm. uh, visually, as Aronofsky's stuff tends to be, it's it's rich. It's very rich visually, and most of the movie takes place from Jennifer Lawrence's perspective. It's really the e- even yes. though Javier Bardem, her husband in the film, is a primary character, it's really all about her the whole time. Mm, I think it's about. I think it's more about him, but it's more about. Not in a positive light. Well, it's it's all actually. In, let me back up. It's from her perspective. Mm-hmm. A lot of the film, yeah, sure, it focuses on him, but we're getting her filter. Yeah, everything goes through her filter, and it's a filter of someone who's sort of um, standing on the wayside. Yet she becomes a major character. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Can we talk about her? Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer is incredible. I wish she were in a million more movies, just being this villainous. Oh, she's hypersexual, so good. like zero personal boundaries sort of oh, character. Oh yeah, and she kind of sets the stage for. Um, basically, it's this couple. He's a poet, and he's got a beautiful young wife. And these guests, these fans of the poet, keep coming to the house. And Michelle Pfeiffer is one of the guests, and she's great Sheenetta Harris oh man they're both they're both great um there's a lot of imagery in there um there's a lot of ways you can interpret what the story's about mm-hmm. you know Aronofsky has publicly made his own statements about what it's about however again I think with with any good art there are lots of ways to um decipher or or meanings to read into it yeah um I basically still feel it's the Giving Tree with some mysterious elements and a beautiful set design, and it's it's really funny too. There are a bunch of parts we all laughed at. Sure, there's a there's a lot, yeah there's a lot of um, sort of startling moments of humor, startling moments of violence. Um, it, it's a movie that kind of defies description in a way where where uh, I think it's hard to really talk about what it's about. Really, it's I think you just have to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, we can only do so much describing it, but it's. You know, if you're if you're a film fan in general and you love cinema, it's probably worth seeing, I think. I will say though, it's designed to infuriate. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, there's there are some scenes in there that are pretty there are a couple scenes that are hard to watch too. There there's some really bizarre stuff in there. Yeah, some people threw up watching it. Yeah, startling scenes of violence. Um and a lot of the time, just sort of you, you, you feel like Jennifer Lawrence's character in which you're sort of in this cloud, this haze the whole time. 
she started her character started to frustrate me. I don't want to spend too much more time on Mother, but her character started to frustrate me because she really seemed like she didn't have her own agency. But even that makes sense by the end. So that's I really, the purpose. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's actually what they're saying is that's actually one of the focal points of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, it's uh, so yeah. I think we both recommend it. Um, with some reservations, you have to be ready for something bizarre that you haven't quite seen before. Oh, I a hundred percent recommend people watch it though. Yep. Yep. So another one of the films that we watched recently, and this is a rewatch for both of us, we uh, hosted at our lo- one of our favorite local bars slash uh, movie venues here in town, um, Flickr. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we hosted a Slumber Party Massacre pajama pizza party. Let me just, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. We hosted a Slumber Party for Slumber Party Massacre. Yes, yes. Um, and it was really fun. Flickr's doing 31 Days of Darkness, where they're screening films almost every single day, sometimes mm-hmm. two films in an evening. They've picked out some really great movies, fun movies. There were some kids' days. There were some like yep. weird deep cut days. But this was a, I mean, Summer Party Massacre is just a really fun slasher. It's one of my favorites. I've seen it a lot because I had a taped copy. But I, um, I was really glad to watch it with a lot of people who hadn't seen it. It was great, yeah. We had it was kind of a mixed crowd. A number of people had seen, a number of people hadn't. Um, everyone had a good time. We did a little, you know, talk about it in the beginning uh, to kind of sort of preface the significance of it. And um, yeah, Kate, Kate and Eric brought their adorable baby. There was his, a baby at the screen for Slumber Party Massacre. Public Slumber Party Massacre. He was loving it. He didn't get to see any of the on-screen violence, and actually, the violence is relatively tame by today's standards, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was fun, and you know, honestly, Steph, it made me want to see part two and three, which I've never seen. I actually don't love part two as much as um, as much as other people, but the concept of a driller killer where the drill is a guitar is fun, and I like that there's a girl band, and some of the deaths are cool. But for me, the first Slumber Party Massacre is the better of the two. Sure. Now, if you are curious about Slumber Party Massacre two, I highly recommend that you YouTube. Um, Slumber Party Massacre 2 uh, music scenes or something like that mm-hmm. because there's some fantastic uh, you know little music sort of music video or, or musical scenes with this all girl band that's playing and it's cringingly awesome <laughs> yeah uh, so I, you know if you're if you're a fan of slot cinema like us and ridiculous musical spots definitely uh, go down that rabbit hole yeah, and if you haven't seen either, definitely check them out. I mean, I believe mm-hmm. both are written and directed by women. Certainly the first one is. The first two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And I'm not sure about the third. The third's sort of a weird one. That I, I think they were just the kind of cashing in on whatever, you know, goodwill was left from the first two, which probably wasn't <laughs> much by that point. <laughs> well, someone needs to bring it back. Michael That's Bay, right. remake it, or Michael... maybe not you. <laughs> oh, Michael Bay and his remakes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a sore subject between us. <laughs> well, I was going to say, the last movie I watched, you'd mentioned it on our last podcast, was I watched Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was it not just absolutely bizarre? It was fun. I had seen it before. I totally remembered the swimming and chalkboard scene. Yeah, it's a great but scene. I had no idea what that was from. It's great. And the rocking horse, the evil rocking horse? The evil rocking carousel horse yes. is cool and weird but also disgusting yeah like i was very impressed with how gross they made that thing look yeah yeah no they did a good job with it it's i mean as far as 80s horror movies it's definitely a strange oddity bookend to 80s horror films it's bizarre can you know canada's uh brainchild so there you go (laughs) well i loved it i i recommend that one too yes all three recently watched recommendations for me yeah most definitely most definitely but, um, but what we're here for is on Friday the 13th to talk about Friday the 13th. Yeah. Um, and as Steph mentioned before, if you're looking at horror movie dynasties, horror movie franchises, Friday the 13th has to be one of the all-time most entertaining and uh, probably has one of the longest shelf lives of, of uh, horror movie dynasties. What I mean, you sure, you've got Halloween, mm-hmm. absolutely. Longer, two years longer than than Friday Thirteenth, but if you're talking about pop culture penetration, I, I would say the Friday Thirteenth probably rules over them all. Mm. Yeah, at one point they were really you know cranking them out every year. And... Mm-hmm. It's lost its steam now for sure, and you still right. have Halloween's coming out. You don't have as many Friday Thirteenths, but if you if you look at the '80s and '90s in particular, I would. <laughs> 
I would hesitate to call the Halloween reboot successful, the Rob Zombie Halloweens, but we can talk about. Oh, that the Rob Zombie ones? Too. No, I'm more talking about how you know we're about to get another Halloween, a new that Halloween. one looks. I have decent expectations. It's David Gordon Green, mm-hmm. who's a he's a fine film director. You've got Danny McBride on board. There have been missteps, though. I know, I know. I'm, I'm not completely sold, but I'd I'd be ready. I also was not a fan. I agree with you, and we'll probably have some folks out there disagree. I was not a fan of the Rob Zombie, um, you know, remakes slash reenvisionings, um, mm-hmm. reboots, whatever you want to what re you want to call them. Um, I really think that uh, they missed what I felt the Friday Thirteenth are about. Yes, they're horror, but they're fun. Oh, the Halloween stuff, Rob Zombie Halloweens. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But just in general, if you're talking about horror reboots in general, they oh, miss the gotcha. mark of being fun. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I didn't love about the Friday 13th uh, remake in 2009, was that it wasn't quite as fun as some of the others. That remake's not fun at all. No. But I don't I don't think it's terrible. It's not terrible? No, no, no. And we'll talk about it in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're talking about Jason's and Friday 13th's uh, you know, impact on pop culture. I mean, it it only really touched the surface with the films. The films came first, sure. But I mean, after the films, you had uh, book adaptations that started coming out in the 80s. Multiple book adaptations, starting with Friday 13th Part 3, which was uh, adapted to a novel. And going then to Part 6, which is also adapted into a novel. And after that, you had multiple novels and, and lines coming out after that. At the same time, you had comic books uh, started in the '90s with Jason Go to, Goes to Hell. I so totally a, remember yep. some of some of the Jason comics. I never read them though. Neither did I. But I actually am not familiar with any of the Jason stuff except for the movies. Never saw the TV show. Ah, uh, okay. Played any games. Well, the comic books just kept coming um, years and years and years up until the you know the late aughts and uh, early early tens. You still had uh, consistent comic book adaptations coming out. Some of them were based on the Freddy vs. Jason, Jason Goes to Hell, what have you. Um, also, going back to the novels, there was a whole line of Jason X novels and of Friday Thirteenth novels that all went that completely went in different you know timelines. Um, you had uh, toys. Nineteen eighty eight um, toys get, began to be released. Um, of Friday Thirteenth, Jason Voorhees, McFarlane Toys did a, a release of a toy at of one point. Of course they did. Uh, of course they did. Uh, you had video games. Uh, starting in 85, Commodore 64 put out what is considered to be one of the worst video games of all time, based <laughs> on Friday the 13th. Uh, the 89 Nintendo version, which we all know is also is a terrible game. Um, there was a mobile game in 06. Mortal Kombat X had Jason as a hidden player. And then just this year, released a multiplayer um, Friday the 13th game, which is crowdfunded, um, actually. I'm not a video game person, but Carrie and I have talked, and we both still want to try it out eventually. Yes, we definitely need to. And last but not least, music. Um, Alice Cooper wrote the song for the theme song and uh, more than one song on the uh, for the soundtrack for Jason Lives, um, Part Six. And not only that, you there are a multitude of hip hop artists that have um, named Jason in their songs over time. So, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of pop culture reference. I mean, that, that just shows how long lasting the series is. Um, because really what it is, is, you know, when you got to the middle of the series, Paramount decided they wanted to bring Jason back as sort of a monster, a la the classic monster films from the twenties, thirties and forties. And so he's like literally resurrected and then he has powers. Exactly. (laughs) So they did that really with a plum. And I think that's what led to sort of the, uh, the, the impact that Jason's had long term. Um, but it all started with the original film in 1980, Mm -hmm. which was Friday the 13th. And you had, so Sean Cunningham, director of the film was a producer on the original last house on the left. Oh, that's know that. where, yeah, that's where you got to start. So Sean Cunningham had a sense of how to put out lean, mean, low budget horror films, and he and he and I think it's Victor Miller who was the other producer admit fully admit that they saw Halloween '78 were like we need to put out a slasher film, mm-hmm. and so they they basically aped you know '78's Halloween, decide they need to do their own version of it, which was the original Friday the Thirteenth. Um, it's one of two films in the series. Where Jason is not actually the killer. In fact, Jason was not a main character. In fact, basically a minor, a very minor character in yeah. the first Friday the Thirteenth. He's just a pop out of the water character. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's all about um, Jason's family. Is really how we got introduced to Jason in Part One. I think 
think this is this is more it's not even really about Mrs. Voorhees though, even though it is. It's really more about watching a bunch of people go to camp and get killed and it's Oh yeah. Yeah. It's definitely the is it the first of like a gazillion films that did that? It is. Well, also, it's the only film in the Friday Thirteenth series where there's an actual mystery. Mm-hmm. Like in because in the beginning you don't know who's killing everybody. You, we haven't been actually introduced to Jason aside from a flashback scene, so we really don't know who's killing the campers until the end. So it was the last one where there was sort of that mystery of, of ooh, what's happening? Because after that, it was pretty obvious every film that Jason was the one. Yeah. So It's a mystery with no suspects you could possibly be guessing. Nope, on. <laughs> nope, yeah, yeah. It's a th- yeah, a very thinly veiled mystery. One of my favorite little random uh, notes of uh, Friday 13th is that Lou Reed actually had a cabin nearby where they filmed um, Friday 13th. And so Lou would come by and hang out and play songs uh, for the cast um, on some of the filming days. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what a cool experience. You're probably, you know, it's all these kids who were, you know, Kevin Bacon's first film parents, I believe. All these young actors. And all of a sudden Lou Reed's hanging out with you. Uh, this is a pretty cool film experience, if you ask me. I mean, so. Uh, and actually the, the camp that was used in the original Friday 13th, still operational up in New Jersey. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We should go visit. I know, right? Horror movie, a uh, little, uh, you know, camp out. Um, well, what are your thoughts on Friday the 13th? I mean, it's it's a great film. It's a seminal film. It's a seminal slasher film. It's one of the classic slashers. Um, it's got some great death scenes. It has a lot of um, tropes that would carry on through slasher film history mm-hmm. later on. I mean, you know, even if it's not my favorite, which it's not, it, we wouldn't have this this series without it. So I think there's something to it. I don't think I saw the first Friday the 13th first. So yeah. even like deaths where like Kevin Bacon gets like, you know, stabbed in bed. Through the bed, yeah. Yeah. I think I'd already seen it in like later Friday the 13th movies. So it didn't really have the same impact. And I felt that way about other parts of it, but it's still awesome. I think Alice is a really good final girl. Yeah, she's great. She's great. Was it Adrian Palmer? Um, Adrian King. Adrian King, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Betsy Palmer was the mom. Betsy Palmer. Yeah, yeah. yeah Adrian King. So, so yeah, no, it's it's great. Uh, but again, definitely not my favorite, Is that, and, and I agree with you on that. It's really, when you get to part two, I think I kind of consider that's where this you really start to know where the series is going. Well, I want to compare it to my favorite non-horror franchise, Fast and Furious. Ah. The first one sets it up as its own thing, but it just goes like fucking crazy. Yes. With every movie after it. That's fair. And I mean, that's the rule of sequels. Bigger, badder, louder. You know, that's the sequels, you know, that's been the classic. Yeah, you uh, stop dealing with people and you're dealing with like super villains. Right, right. You get to the point where everything's sort of a caricature or a trope and you just kind of roll with it. And that's definitely what happened with the Fridays. But part two is kind of interesting to me. Um, part two, you didn't. So in neither one or two do you have the mask yet. The iconic right. Jason mask didn't even exist. He has like a bag. In part two, he had a bag over his head with yeah, one eye bag. hole cut out. <laughs> Pretty shoddy work, really, you know. But he, you know, he'd he'd been evidently hanging out around the camp eating what grasshoppers for thirty five years, <laughs> you know. Uh, his mom didn't know he was alive. Evidently, no one knew he was alive. So, you know, I, I guess he didn't have a lot of resources. He's basically like Castle Freak. He's like Castle Freak. Yes, yes. He's roaming underground, you know, all the time, <laughs> and unsuspecting tourists. Uh, so part twos pretty scary it has some scary parts part two is great mm-hmm. i think part two is awesome so part two and part three so sean cunningham um did not want to come back for part two the original director so they turned it over to steve minor who had worked on the first two and he directed two and three oh. and steve minor directed what i think are two of the best films of the series which is two and three um also and kind of an interesting side note adrian king as we talked about the final girl from part one after part one she became she was stalked by a crazed super fan and even though she was offered a main role in part two she turned it down because she didn't want to be on screen because she was scared and fearing for her life so that's why she sucks yes so that's why she only had a small part in the first one but that adds to the lore of friday the 13th right i mean Mm -hmm. it's just part of all the craziness that gets caught up in the series so um i I think part two is great it's it is scary. You finally have Jason as the killer. 
and there's some great set pieces. In my opinion, the best set pieces at the end, the window scene. They're okay. I would like to talk about some of the deaths in part two. Okay, let's go. But we'll go back. Before window scene, yes. Okay, so one, I really love the Mark, the guy in the wheelchair. Jason is not kindly to people with handicaps. No, Jason doesn't care. He's, he's very, yeah. He gives that guy a machete in the face, and then he rolls him down the stairs in his wheelchair. And I'm just like, God, Jason's a real asshole. And then the other thing I really liked, not really a death, but I really loved um, when they get to the whole part where he's got the whole, um, God, why am I blanking on the word? Like, he's altar. He's got, oh, like, the altar, altar with his mom's up. head on yeah. it? Yeah. That's, that's a great so scene. creepy and awesome. That's very creepy. I also don't know how multiple characters throughout the franchise, they're just like, we need to trick Jason into thinking we're like his mother or something else. And somehow it always works. It always distracts him for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's really a mama's boy. I mean, he is at heart. He may be a cold-blooded, um, unkillable, psychopathic murderer. He still has a soft spot for mom, you know. And <laughs> I think does. that's I think that's very admirable, Jason. It's it, it's a great one. It, again, I think it really begins what Friday Thirteenth became. Mm-hmm. So, and the window scene we were talking about that. So that scene was really traumatic for everyone involved. It was truly frightening for the actress um, and the actor who you know the last two, the final guy, final girl. They were completely freaked out. It nearly killed the actor who played Jason um, because it was um, it was just really tough smashing through the glass, and they had to do it over and over and over. And he sustained some you know major injuries on that. But uh, but what a great scene! What a great ending to the film! It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of iconic moments in in part two. But part three is maybe my favorite Jason film. Oh, can we also say? I didn't realize this until I rewatched part three, but it takes place immediately after part two. Right after. Oh, it picks up right after. <laughs> like, so, there's no break between. So really, so if part two is filmed on Friday the 13th, and it actually happens on Friday the 13th, part three really happens on Saturday the 14th and Sunday the 15th. Mm-hmm. So most of the film actually <laughs> happens on those two days. Not quite as exciting as Friday the 13th. But, I mean, part three, also directed by Steve Miner, so you had some consistency there, which which I think was mm-hmm. good. I think it made one of the reasons why those two were so good. You finally had the hockey mask in part three. Yeah. Totally amazing. Um, I was going to say, I would love to have seen this in 3D. There's so many things where you're like, oh, oh that was a 3D moment. Uh, that was a 3D moment. Yes. I'm watching some 3D popcorn right now. Yes. We well, you know Paramount um, spent triple the budget just to add the 3D into theaters because most theaters were not equipped to um, project this three this type of 3D film. So Paramount spent like eight to ten million dollars just getting systems and training um, projectionists and having a hotline for those projectionists in case they had trouble uh, showing Friday the 13th Part 3. Well those theaters should have thanked Paramount because it ended up being in a bunch more movies it did and it was a huge hit it was one of the biggest hits in the series relative to its budget um the hockey mask actually came from the 3d effects supervisor who had a hockey mask in his bag and um steve miner and some of the other um producers saw that and were like oh wait maybe we should make this the mask right on so it's kind of fun this is also kind of the first like funny friday the 13th it has some moments in it and it has some great kills i mean it has uh, you've got the you've got the wheelchair you've got the uh, the harpoon in the lake, harpoon through the eye, which is great. Um, two pitchfork deaths. Two pitchfork deaths. Are those? Wait, is one of the pitchfork deaths the guy who like comes back at the end, but then he just gets his hand chopped off? That may be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had the punks that yeah, actually yeah. helped to save them at the end, but then of course they met their um, untimely deaths. Um, great final battle scene. From the house all the way to the barn. Oh, Chrissy is an awesome final girl. She really gives it 110%. She's awesome. She tries to kill him like five times. Yeah. I don't know if five is the right number, but a bunch of times before it works. Oh, yeah. Like she dumps a bookshelf on him. She hangs him. Yeah, yeah. She finally has to like, with an axe. She hang. uh, yeah, yeah. I think the hanging was the final thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, because that's how the, the cops supposedly are going to find him in fourth, where they bring him off to the... Oh, we should also say this is not a 
camp counselor movie. They're just visiting it's, her vacation house. It's not, right? It's one of the... In, in fact, um, if you really want to be, um, you know, really one, part of two, and six are really the only ones there's actual camp counselors. Mm-hmm. The rest of them is just people at a camp, unsuspecting. <laughs> yeah. Don't even know. Uh, Jason's name is never mentioned in part three. No one calls him Jason. Ooh, I didn't notice that. Yep, yep. So we hadn't yet got to that point in the series. It's still developing that character um, over time. And another random fact, 2005, a rabid fan burnt the cabin in part three to the ground. All these rabid Friday the 13th fans causing trouble. Good lord, and this is pre-internet. They just found this place and did it. Yeah, well, 05 is still there, but yeah, not like, not like any of that. Um... So yeah, part three, again, is one of my favorites. I think it's got great scares, great comedy. It's, again, I think Steve Miner is a solid horror director. I think he did a really good job with it. The kills are great. I really love part three. The eye pop. I know. (laughs) It's awesome. And really, three goes into four, which is another one of my, also, I'm always tossing up whether four is my favorite, too. Four is another one of my potential favorites, always. I wasn't sure if I'd seen part four before this year. I think I have, but I, like, barely remember it if I did. But whatever. I watched it with Aaron and Jason, and it was so much fun. Four has, okay, so four, I feel like it's called the final chapter, which is funny to think now. They really intended on ending it in part four. They really thought they were going to do it. Paramount's kind of like, this is played out, but then they're just like, no. No, it made too much money. money. Still made money. (laughs) And you know, part four has a lot. You've got uh, Corey Feldman just as he was hitting, just before the height of his fame. Mm -hmm. You've got some fantastic scenes, great death scenes in it. Um, There's some really good action scenes as well. Um, I think four, for me, along, like three is still where things are, are playing it straight as a horror film to a certain extent. A little bit of comedy. Four is where it gets really starts to get bananas. Yeah, the girl falling out of the window onto the car, which Four is a fantastic is scene. There are two twins. The twins, yes. And there's a somewhat young Crispin Glover. Yep. Not young like Corey Feldman young, but right. And also four. So two, three, and four all follow the same time frame because four is right after three ended, and three is right after two ended. Oh, okay. So yeah, we should just say that it's another one where it's a group of friends kind of going to yes. the cabin but then there's some people who live there too there's a mysterious hitchhiker yep or i don't know if he's a hitchhiker there's one hitchhiker in the beginning with the banana lady yep yep there are yeah and then there's a mysterious man camping in the woods yes who has heard legend and uh has one of his family members was killed by jason and so he is back to try to uh, take jason out this is the only movie i think where the Final girl doesn't really appeal to me though. She's I'm not great. Her name, but... I, I can't think of her name either. It's really Corey Feldman's film mm-hmm. because that final scene. Well, first off, also let's talk <laughs> about Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. Okay, there are a couple good dance scenes in the Friday the Thirteenth movies, but by far None the most than memorable his. one is None Crispin better. Glover's. Um, he's amazing. It's like his body's just made of noodles. Yes. Yes. And that whole scene leading uh, from from that scene where he dances up until the end, I think is the best stretch of the film. There's some really good suspense there where they have the projection. Uh, they, they got the projector and all the you know weird shit is happening. And um, the classic line, the dead fuck line. Which yeah, is... our movie trivia team name is the dead fucks. Yep. So yep. we're big fans of this movie. Inspired by Mr. Glover himself and the great <laughs> Joseph Zito, the creator of, or the director. Friday 13 Part 4. Yeah, it's great. It's a lot of fun. It's, again, Jason is really becoming this unstoppable character, particularly in Part 4. It's mm-hmm. one of the first times you can really think of, like, you don't think you can kill this guy. And he is seems to be everywhere at once. Um, and it's just, it's a great template for everything that came before. And really, I think it's the last, I think every other film after it is probably inferior to Part 4. Ooh. In my opinion. Now, I know we have different opinions on that. <laughs> and I love the other Friday 13th. Don't so get me wrong. I mean, I, I, there are a lot of them I love, but I really think that four, to me, was the high point of the series. You know, I think if I were only going to recommend one, I might recommend four. It's a staple every Halloween for me. <laughs> Very yep. nice. Every Halloween This month. is definitely the one where it drove home to me. Like, if you're anywhere by yourself, know that Jason can stab you from underneath. Yeah, yeah. You need to know everything above 
below and around you to avoid Jason. And, yeah. You're not safe and you won't hear him coming. And if you're on a raft, he'll stab you through it and the raft won't sink. No, right, right. You're right, because he's unkillable. And for the good Lord, don't take a shower. <laughs> do not take a shower alone. You should know that in these films. Don't do it if you're in a cabin. Make sure you have a friend. Use the buddy system. However you're going to do it, don't take a shower alone. <laughs> yeah, part four. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I was going to say the other thing is, are you kind of confused that Corey Feldman's young character, Tommy Jarvis... Tommy Jarvis, he was a recurring character through the series. A couple things. It's completely unbelievable that he has Tom Savini skills at making these awesome special effects horror masks. Oh, yeah. Tom Savini, by the way, the films that where he is the um, the effects director, the, the makeup effects are just fantastic. Yeah, I find... That that's Tommy Jarvis's skill set less believable than Jason's superpowers. <laughs> and then, because um, Tom Savini is kind of a superhero when it comes to effects. Oh, totally incredible! And then the other thing is, at the end when he decides he's just gonna like shave his head and go all Jason on Jason, yeah. I'm just like, of all the ways to distract this killer, that's what came to your mind. Tommy's a disturbed guy. I really think he is, evidently. Mm-hmm. But no, it's a what a great way to end the series too. Uh, or in that film with with him kind of again stopping Jason talking about mommy yeah and making Jason think he's seeing himself Jason obviously has some mental issues um, he hasn't looked in a mirror recently no no it's good he doesn't he probably scare himself so part four led to part five again part four was a huge hit and even though the studio wanted to sort of end the series with that they realized there's just no way that was going to happen the, the fans demanded it and the box office demanded so what they did was what a number of two of the other major horror franchises of all franchises of all time which we talked about um, Halloween and then we did not talk about Number on Elm Street all of them oh, did a favorite. sequel the, where the original bad guy is not actually the bad guy in that sequel mm-hmm. okay so Friday 13th Part 5 New Blood is one of them. Jason is not actually the killer in that film. No, and there are all these things, like the hockey mask has blue instead of red. And... There's a lot of things. But they did it also in Halloween 3. And the same year the part 5 was released in 1985, they did it with Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, where Freddy is not actually the killer. So there must have been some kind of uh, thing going on where they were like, where in Hollywood, where they were like, you know, we've got to find a way to, to make the series cool and different. <laughs> and we're not going to show you the best part of the series, the you, everyone's favorite character. Instead, we're going to have um, the influence of that character be the evil of the movie. So, new blood, no Jason, but Jason's spirit is sort of uh, making everybody crazy in a way. Yeah, so Tommy Jarvis has grown up and he hallucinates Jason a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Like, he clearly mm-hmm. has serious trauma. Yeah. Understandably. Um, He's basically just in institutions forever. (laughs) Right. But then there is a copycat killer posing as Jason. Yes. And I mean, I would mistake him too. They're both in the hockey mask. They're both big bald dudes. I mean, it'd be understandable. So yeah, part five is weird. Uh, The set was... The set was beset by issues. People didn't get along with the director... Uh, it was his last movie. He never directed again after that. Uh, there were a lot of issues on set. A lot of people were unhappy with how it came out. Fans were kind of riled up. They they were confused by it. Um, the film does have some good death scenes. I mean, there's no doubt. I love the cast, the story, and pretty much everything about it. I'm okay that it doesn't have actual Jason. I I don't. I still don't love that one. Even though I think that's just because it doesn't have Jason. Honestly. I understand. Like it's so I, funny. It's like right after um, you. You wouldn't think they'd be able to make two movies in a row with hero kids who are not annoying, but they totally do. This one has Reggie, that kid in the little red tracks. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like mowing people down with like the hand plow or that truck thing. And yeah, Reggie's awesome. Yeah, Reggie's great. He's like scaring mentally insane adults at this home his grandfather works. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's great. It has the highest amount of kills at the time. Oh, the is first that so? five mm-hmm. hmm. at the time. Of course, that was broken. In, yeah. <laughs> in every you know forthcoming movie after that, uh, and and actually they were planning on making a direct sequel with Tommy Jarvis and Pam, the last two from New Blood. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, 
the actor who played Tommy Jarvis became a born again Christian and decided he would not do any more horror films and only faith based films. So we were robbed of the continuing storyline of Friday the Part Two, Part Tommy Five, New Blood. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. That's a shame. He was really good. He was good. Yeah. <laughs> You could tell he wasn't adjusted. I'm like, oh, he's just like a little shy from everything that happened. And then he like body slams that dude through the table and like beats up Junior. Yep, yep. <laughs> like, oh, maybe he has some more issues that we didn't know Gotta about. Gotta work some stuff out. So the original plan again for Paramount was to make a direct sequel to, to New Blood. But fan reaction was very poor. Mm-hmm. And even though the movie made just as much money as the preceding Friday the 13th, they decided that for the fans, they had to go back to the tried-and-true formula of the first four. Um, so, yeah, so New Blood would be the last one where we'd see a non-Jason uh, killer. And then, all of a sudden, we're from 1980. We fast-forwarded to 1986. New Blood is an afterthought at this point. They're like, we're going to go back to, and this is where I was talking about earlier, Paramount made a decision that they were like, we want to bring Jason back as a monster. We want this to be a new school monster film a la Frankenstein, they Dracula, did it in a Mummy. Real classic way. Yeah, they did. So six is big. It's 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 big set pieces. It's fun. They've really brought back the comedy, whereas part five was like as serious as probably any of the episodes, any of the uh, the installments of the series, aside from maybe part one. Part six was all about like let's have fun, let's make this ridiculous and crazy lightning strikes jason's tomb to bring him back from the dead mm-hmm. i mean part six is all about just getting crazy he can basically teleport in this one starting here basically he can this is where the superhero superhuman powers like really come in yeah um the guy okay so here's here's another fun fact you know me i love fun facts tom mclaughlin the guy who wrote and directed it he's had a long career in tv and film uh Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream, mm-hmm. has noted that Friday Thirteenth Part Six was a huge influence on him as a writer, as a horror writer. Oh, right on. Yep, because of that sort of kind of wink, wink, sort of knowing, almost poking fun at the series at the same time, oh. going full force with it. Right. It's very heavy, wink, wink. There's like that grave digger who talks directly to the audience. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you're gonna break the fourth wall, you're getting batty, right? <laughs> so. Um, and then what's also funny is Scream, Tom McLaughlin, director of Friday the Part 6, was offered to direct Scream before Wes Craven. He really? turned it down. Damn. Why? Tom, we love you for Part 6, but that's a crazy career move right there. Because Scream is one of the most profitable and loved uh, horror films he, of the modern era. What has he gone on to do? Nothing. Uh, mostly stuff in TV. He almost did nothing horror after that. Did a couple things. Sometimes they come back. He directed a TV movie and a few things like that. But really just forayed into just TV in general. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that would have been an interesting scream as well. I know. I know. It was also filmed in Covington, Georgia. Yeah. A couple of these are filmed in Georgia. Yeah. I don't know about the... I don't know which other ones were, but I just noticed. I was like, Are you well, not getting cool. to one that was filmed at Hard Labor State Park? And you can still see props when there's a Georgia drought in the lake. What? Yeah, no my way. friend Natalie, who used to work for Park Services, was telling me about that. Must have been part seven then. Because eight didn't take place in a lake, and neither did ten. I guess it could have been nine. Well, I meant That's to look it up, lives. but then I forgot. We'll so. have to check that out. But back to Jason Lives. Yeah. Also, so this is the third different Tommy we had in this film. Um third different actor to play Tommy and the the uh the character of Jason played by CJ Graham I think this is the only one he did where he played Jason he had a military background so this guy did all his own stunts when Jason set on fire that's the actual actor like they didn't substitute a stunt actor very impressive all the Jason stunts are done by CJ Graham so I got to give him props for that I did not know that until I did some some you know further research into it and that's pretty darn impressive because that's uh, we have a friend actually who named Andy Rusk who uh, does fire stunts for the Walking Dead series, and that's tough stuff. That's wow. really tough. I mean, Andy gets himself set on fire for a living. Pretty impressive. <laughs> no, totally <laughs> impressive. Um, and there are a lot of great deaths in this one too. Oh yeah, the sleeping bag, the folding up, the where he folds up the sheriff in half. Yes. Great scene. Great scene. So yeah, part six is just a lot of fun. Um, 
and it kind of fed right into uh, to part seven. Part seven, which is oh wait, part seven's new blood. Part seven's new blood. Yeah, yeah I call it, excuse me. I called Friday the Thirteenth part five. I think they called that the new beginning. Is what part five was. Yeah, so it's new beginning. Jason lives. And then, and then the new, new blood. And new blood. So yeah, seven is new blood. Pardon me, everybody. Um, and seven's the one with the sleeping bag roast, because that's like the only thing I remember about it. Seven has a sleeping bag. There, are, well, there are a couple movies that have a sleeping bag. I swear, but yeah, no, you're right. Definitely in seven, and it's really Friday Thirteenth Part Seven. Uh, Carrie lives. Is really what it should be called because basically <laughs> you have a woman in there who basically is Carrie. Yeah. Oh, I just want to say more things about Jason Lives really quick, just because it's the last one I kind of remember. Um, but that's the one with the Alice Cooper songs. Yes. Which is... The man behind the mask. Which is pretty awesome. <laughs> I think when I watched it as a kid, I'm just like, too much heavy metal. But now I'm like, you know what? This is pretty great. It's pretty great. Um, And it's the one with no nudity, really. There's no nudity in part six. The only one in the series with no nudity. A There's a lot of suggestive things, stuff. but no Yeah, nudity. yeah. Um, and then I really like that it's the, I think the only one in the series where there's this couple, they're driving and they get out and they're like killed early on. And the wife tries to bribe Jason. Yeah. Like she makes a comment about how she's watched horror movies. And I'm like, well, I've never seen this in a horror movie. So that's right, very right. original. <laughs> I also love the scene. It's the scene they filmed last where the, um, the, RV gets turned over. Yeah, the face smash through the RV. The face smash through the RV um, wall was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that rules. Yeah. I love it. Very, very cool. Some very creative scenes in that one. I didn't like love the paintball retreat. To me, that was like a little too goofy. That's something they filmed actually early on. Really? And it was filmed with... So, Friday the 13th Part 6 actually has two Jasons. The first Jason they deemed to be too pudgy and not imposing enough. Oh. And so, the paintball <laughs> scene is one of the only scenes in the film where you have the first Jason actor. Damn. But they left it in because they there was a scene they wanted to have in it. And then after that, the rest of it is the C.J. Graham, who is the, um, the follow-up actor. Basically, yeah, there's this scene where it's like these corporate dudes on a paintball retreat, and it's mostly dudes saying misogynistic things. Yep. And then um, there's one lady who's clearly like a boss, a boss person. I don't know if she's actually their boss. Sure, boss person. And then they just get decapitated. But to me, that didn't really even fit with the rest of the movie. It is kind of silly. I, I feel like that makes sense that they filmed it so early and then kind of had their footing for the rest of it. They're just um, like, well, let's just add these to the body count. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think this is the first, part six is one of the first, um, the Jasons, where he has a really great death scene. Where he's in yeah. the, you know, you've got the lake on fire, mm -hmm. they're in the boat, and they get the motor on right in his heart and just like tear him up. You know, you're right. Awesome. This is a really big production. It's, I'm, I'm telling you, I really think six is, you can't overlook six if you're a fan of the series. You've got to appreciate you know, again, you could almost look at six as one of the last high points of the series, in my opinion. It could be, could be looked at that. I do remember, though, as a kid watching seven many, 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 many times. Okay. Here's what I remember about seven, since you're going to remember so much more. I remember the slicing up of the tent and yep. the, the sleeping bags <laughs> being beaten against the tree. Yep, that was a good one. And then roasted. I, see, for me, I really remember the last 30 minutes of the movie. Well, I would watch it and then we would fast forward on VHS <laughs> because I'm a dinosaur. Um, but I, when I was a wee lad, we would fast forward to the last 30 to 40 minutes of the movie so we could watch all the scenes with her doing her awesome telekinesis uh, powers to stop Jason. So you know, there's the scene where she makes the roof fall over on him and she uh, you know, sets him on fire by making the gas cans pour over um, she may, she hangs him on the light. Uh, there's all, I mean, he dies like a million times in the movie. The stairs fall down, he falls in. It's I a mean, supernatural battle. A supernatural can't battle. go at him a normal way. No, no, no. So there's some great, great scenes with that. Um, I just remember it being one of the more ridiculous Jasons at that, in, at that time, but also probably one of the most fun endings of any Jason film, bar none, aside from maybe Jason Goes to Hell because you actually get to see him dragged to the pits of hell in part nine and that's almost as good as it gets 
But as far as ending film scenes, uh, Seven is pretty hard to beat. You have the cabin blowing up and Jason in the lake and dragged to the bottom. Her dad comes back to from the dead and brings <laughs> yeah. Jason down the lake. I mean, it's totally bonkers, ridiculous, and just awesome. An awesome ending. Ah, I gotta watch it again. Beginning yeah. to end. I don't have as much trivia on that one, but I just it's it's such a viscerally silly and fun Jason movie, and really completely unrelated, really to almost any of the other films, but totally it, it, it works as as fun. That's one where you need to have. You need to have a few beers before you watch it and just enjoy it for what it is. It's mm-hmm. uh, So anyone who has not watched that in a while, I dare say go back and check it out. And hell, if you have to fast forward to the end, do it. It's great. It's worth it just for the last 40 minutes, really. All right. Jason takes Manhattan. Okay, now, Steph, this is one where I know you're going to probably have more to do because on this one because I have only seen this probably once in bits and pieces a couple times. I've seen it a few times. <laughs> I know it's one of your favorites. I actually really love it. Everybody else hates it. So don't tell them that you really like Jason Takes Manhattan because you're just going to get some angry dude tell you why you shouldn't like it. Steph, stand up for your right. <laughs> get up, stand up. Don't give up the fight in the words of Bob Marley. I will say the title is misleading. Very little of it actually takes place <laughs> in Manhattan. In fact, most of it takes place in Canada and on a boat. Yeah. In fact, all the Manhattan scenes are all Canada. It's all Toronto, I believe. Yeah. But any cool death, oh, no, that's not true. Pretty much all of it's on a boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But literally, none of it takes place in Manhattan except, I believe, for one shot where he's looking at Times Square. Is the yeah. only scene that's actually in Manhattan. There are a couple cool, like, landbound scenes, but because... Do you have any facts about this you wanted to share? I don't, actually. We're okay. just going to go on this one. Well, I don't know any facts about it, so I'm just going to talk about my favorite deaths. There's yes. this horrible teacher, Mr. McCulloch, and he's, like, so mean and bullying. He thinks, I don't know if it's his daughter or... Oh, he's awful. He's one of the more unlikable characters in the entire series. Yeah, this is one of those ones where characters start getting set up so you're, like, waiting for Jason to kill them. Yep. So with this guy, he's, like, throwing this lady who's, like, this girl who's afraid of the water into the lake. I think it might be his daughter. And then he's, like, bullying other people. He's just, like, a real horrible person. And so he gets to, like, ironically get killed where Jason picks him up and, like, drowns him in a barrel of, like, toxic sludge. And yeah. he's like, thank God for that. That's one of the best death scenes in the film, actually. Yeah, well, there are a few. That's why I like Jason Takes Manhattan. There are, like, some really great deaths. Then there's another scene. There's this guy, Julius, who's, like, an amazing... The boxer? Yes. Not his yet, because that's the best one. That's the best. But, like, earlier, he's, like, fighting this dude. He defeats him. I don't even think that character has a name, and he's not that important. But then that the guy who loses the fight, he goes to the sauna to just kind of relax, and he gets a fucking, like, sizzling sauna rock, like, slammed through his body. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And then the best death of all, undefeated Julius Boxer boxing match. They're, like, on a roof, and he's just, like, laying down punch after punch into Jason, who's totally unfazed, and you just see this dude's, like, fists get all bloodied up because he's giving it everything he has. Jason respected him. Jason could have killed him early on in that scene, and he didn't. Jason, I think, was actually impressed with his moxie, I have to say. I don't know if he was impressed or if he was just... He's just like, do whatever you want because you mean nothing. I think, I don't know. I'm just saying, I think Jason was actually, I, I could be wrong. I don't know Jason, the soul of Jason. doesn't really have one. But I'm just saying, he could have killed him immediately and he didn't. Oh, I thought it was more like, oh, this is cute. <laughs> or that. <laughs> but then um, but then Julius is just like, all right, give me your best shot. And then Jason like punches his head off and it goes into a dumpster. Yeah, yep. It's pretty classic. There's also the disco scene. Is yes! I like to call it. Oh my god, there's so many good parts of <laughs> Jason Takes Manhattan, you guys. I would also recommend that you don't watch this solo or sober, but I have no. multiple times. So <laughs> I would recommend a, a strong supply of alcohol if you're going to watch part eight. Um, however, uh, it's still a Jason film. It's fun. It did not have the box office returns of the ones before, and this is where the series started mm-hmm. to sort of fall out of box office favor, it, beginning with seven and moving on from there, but it's still fun. There's still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jason is just a straight-up, like, transporting phantom by this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is absolutely just an indestructible monster. 
Um, but we are moving on to a movie that I actually don't know much about. It's Jason Goes to Hell, and I've only seen that one once. I've actually only seen it once, too. Um, it has the highest number of kills of any Jason film. I think it's 27 kills. Damn! Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a strong one. So, but no, I um, it's the last Friday the Thirteenth that I really like. It's the last one for me, um, and it's fun. There's some great set pieces, and, and again, the film itself is really it's all about we're waiting to see what happens to Jason when he gets pulled down to hell in the end of the film. It's really just one of those. It's an exhilarating scene. Yeah, that's cool. It's great. Sean Cunningham came back actually to direct that one. Um, he hadn't directed anyone since the first one. He came back to uh, to do Jason Goes to Hell. Interesting. Yep. He he wanted to close out the series. Of course, it didn't happen. Sean should know the the series will continue to live on. Hmm. But uh, but yeah. So you had uh, so you had Friday Thirteenth, Jason Goes to Hell, and it's uh, it, it's great. It's a really fun one. I recall that again as being the la- the last one I really loved. Of course. I know it's not the same for you because <laughs> it was not the last Friday Thirteenth, even though they talked about it being the last Friday Thirteenth. They call it the final Friday. <laughs> they call it the final Friday. It did really well at the box office, and what happens when it does really well at the box office? You gotta have another sequel, and so that led to Jason X. Jason X, Jason which, Ten. which some people I, I know feel it's a it's a fan. It's, Uber it's a, Jason. It's a very <laughs> loved fan film of uh, Jason X. I almost consider it to be a fan film in a way of Jason of the Friday Thirteenth. It, it just feels like that because it's so different than any of the other Fridays. Well, here's the thing: I wasn't even that big of. I feel weird saying this. I wasn't even that big a Friday the Thirteenth fan when I was actually a teenager. But I totally saw this in theaters, and I was really hyped up about it. And I'm just like, oh my god, Nitrogen Face Smash! Nitrogen Face Smash was pretty badass, I have to say. Um, But basically, to tell you how far it's come from the first four movies, (laughs) Jason is being transported in space, but he manages to escape via transport, and... Ugh, just everything about it, like the costumes of the future, you would not believe. Why are they all wearing bizarre crocheted tops? <laughs> and, um, but yeah, Nitrogen Face Smash is the best. There's this doctor, he slams her face down in some liquid nitrogen, freezes almost right away, smashes her face on a surface, and then it's just like a, a bloody remains. <laughs> yep. And, you know... It seems like Paramount actually was intent on ending the series because it was a good eight years before between uh, Jason Goes to Hell, Final Friday, and Jason X. Mm. And it's interesting they resurrected after all that time and did a space Jason. I know. I mean, who would have guessed that that's what they would do? I feel like know? that's always the joke, like a horror franchise going Leprechaun to space. Exactly. In space? Yeah, you knew that when Leprechaun's going to space, that's like basically jumping the proverbial shark, mm-hmm. you know? And so it felt like Jason X was definitely like, there must have been, maybe the producers of Leprechaun Space were like, hey, Jason Space, <laughs> all right. You know, I don't know. All right, I guess he's going to space. Right, right. It's the only place to go. <laughs> so it, we, we didn't have Aqua Jason, which we could have had, you know, Jason underwater. Um, which would have been fun. Oh, the day he can't even drown in that lake. What a terrifying day. I know. He can exist in <laughs> any environment whatsoever. That's that's scary. <laughs> so, so yeah, Jason X. You know, the fan reaction, I think, was mixed. But I know some people that are rabid fans of that film, Steph included. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a hard time getting into it. I think it's because I, I felt like I was watching a Leprechaun film at that point, And I just I had a hard time getting into it. But there are some great scenes in it, no doubt. Okay, one, I really enjoy the Leprechaun movies. (laughs) (laughs) And two, I sort of feel like Jason's a character with enough where he can kind of handle something as absurd as space. I'm like, you really can take him anywhere. You can, that's true. You can take him with you. Um so, so Jason X. So that was, you know, so here we are, 2001, I believe. Mm-hmm. One, 2001. Uh, mm-hmm, for Jason X. So we're 21 years into the series at this point. 10 films. So every two years, there's a Friday 13th coming out. And if you're on the Jason X timeline, hundreds of years. Yes, yes. And actually, as we talked about earlier, Jason X did make uh, a mark on pop culture. We talked about how 
there were book series that directly, uh, you know, were adapted from that series and comic books. So, I mean, it definitely made a mark. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. And will allow you to, to have a whole, I mean, it really fit the comic book world because all of a sudden you can have these great space scenarios for Jason, things like that, sort of fantastic things that you wouldn't necessarily, may not translate as well in the films. Um, so, so yeah, Jason X 2001. And then all of a sudden, Freddy versus Jason. You don't know what to do, right? Freddy versus Jason, because at that point, I think the series realized like we have done as much as we can at this <laughs> at this time. Like we've sent him. To, we, he's been all around Earth, and we shot him in the space. <laughs> and now it's like we've got to figure out what to do. So people have been clamoring for a Jason Freddy um, crossover for years. Both studios. It was what New Line was was uh, Nightmare, mm-hmm. and Paramount was uh, Jason. Oh, well, it would have to be Freddy and Jason. You couldn't do like. Michael Myers and Jason. No. It would just be two silent dudes walking around and stabbing. No, right, right, right. <laughs> There'd be too much like kind of one-upmanship as far as like who's the better silent killer. Yeah, I mean, no, totally agreed. You had to have a charismatic killer. And again, people have been fans, have been clamoring for it for a decade or, or more at that point. And there have been a lot of stops and starts. Funding had fallen through a couple times. Producers had switched. You know, executives changing positions, all that. And it, so it took a long time for it to come together. But when it finally did, I have to say, Freddy vs. Jason is a fantastically entertaining film. It is entertaining. At the time, I was disappointed. But now I'm just like, you know, it's pretty cool. I, I wish someone had put a little more thought into that development. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely... Well, you would think that they had all this time to figure it out. You'd think mm-hmm. that they would have really gotten it. But no, I really enjoyed it. Um, there could have been like way more creative Freddy deaths. I mean, Jason's are pretty good. Jason's are good. Freddy's aren't great. You could definitely tell that it was a Jason-focused film. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Freddy was the second banana. But they had some pretty <laughs> exciting scenes in there. There's a lot of fun stuff in Freddy vs. Jason. Do you have what, a favorite death scene? What is it? Oh, well, my favorite death scene in Freddy vs. Jason is the dude who gets crunched in bed. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> that's awesome. No, you know, I feel like, and, and again, that's Freddy vs. Jason is one I've only seen, I think, once, maybe once in a couple other parts, a couple of different times. So, oh, I've definitely only seen it once, but I rented it. I planned on rewatching it for this. Rented it from Vision Video. Because you and I are both very similar stuff. But we like to go back and watch the classics. Mm-hmm. And Freddy vs. Jason, even though it's a great part of the series, is not a true classic of the series, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, if you haven't you know? seen it, it's fun. But... Sure, sure. But it doesn't give you a real sense of where the mythos came from or what people really loved about the originals. You kind of got to go back a little bit to get that. So, so I do. So, yeah, I think I think it's a fun part of the series. But I really think you go back to as we talked about, you know, part four, part six, part three, part eight. Uh, <laughs> you know, or some of those is where you're really getting the best of, of Jason's, uh, you know, exploits. So, and then really after Freddy vs. Jason again, then you have this long kind of uh, drought until, um, I guess it wasn't that long, but it was about four or five years until the remake of Jason, which was 2009. Isn't that crazy? It was that long? Yeah, it was eight years ago. Where we had the remake. I've also only seen the remake once. Same here. Well, you know, I wasn't all that crazy about it anyway. I, I'm not a huge fan of remakes, as you know. Um, and, I know. And so I was really skeptical about whether to watch it at all. Of course, I finally did. Um, it's well done. It's as well done as any of the films in the series, um, you know, visually, effects-wise. The set pieces are really good. I actually thought Jason's lair in the remake was really cool. I thought that, that set was yeah. great. And they, um, oh yeah, <laughs> that is good. But they basically like snatched elements from maybe the first three, maybe four movies. They rehash all the deaths from the original ones, basically. There's almost nothing original in it. Mm-hmm. But that being said, there are some good moments. Um, the characters act as, as inanely as any characters in any of the series. In fact, I think they're actually a lot stupider in the remake than they actually were in the originals. Yeah. Um, but uh, but there are some fun moments. Um you know, there's some good beer pong scenes, uh, you know, which you always, that's the mark of a great film or the beer pong scenes well done. I thought they were. You actually had an Asian character. Chewie, the Asian guy, Chewy. is one of the best parts of the remake. He's funny and not just because he's Asian. He's just funny as a character. He is really the source of the best, uh, you know, comic relief in, yeah. the, in the new, in the, uh, the newest remake. 
And um, yeah, his character is by far the most entertaining. Mm -hmm. In fact, when he walked in that shed, I was like, don't do it. No, why do you? No. no. I was so upset. I know. He, I mean, he had, even his death scene was pretty funny. <laughs> like, he does a good job, like, you know. He he tries to get out of it with humor, but Jason yeah. Jason can't be humored, unfortunately. He's cool, but when someone tells you this is co-written by Michael Bay and they're rebooting Friday the Thirteenth, you have an idea of what you're getting, and that's what you're getting. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Prom Night, Friday the Thirteenth, and Black Christmas. Let me tell you, I do not hate the Black Xmas remake. Black Xmas, not Christmas in the remake, as I will call it. <laughs> this, uh, I put it right so, up there with the <laughs> My Bloody Valentine remake, which I also enjoyed. Steph, I I think that may be blasphemy because I totally agree with you that My Bloody Valentine remake is fantastic. Probably one of the best 80s horror remakes, in mm. my opinion. Yeah, and like um, Friday the 13th remake, you've got a supernatural star in both of them. One did much better than the other. Yes, that's very true. Um, no, I... Uh, yeah, Black Christmas. So, if y'all know, those of you who listen to our podcast, listen to my Blue Horrorcast, you're going to realize over time that Steph and I nearly always agree with things. It's one of the reasons we are co-hosts, because we have a lot of shared likes of films. But there are a couple notable differences in how we feel. And Black Christmas is a really sore spot between the two of us. It's just, <laughs> it's a huge controversy in the My Blade Horrorcast world. I just want y'all to understand the, the gravity of that. It comes down to this. Carrie has like a slightly <laughs> higher taste level. And he holds older beloved movies on a pedestal. I don't mind them <laughs> being reworked into something I don't ridiculous. know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about at all. No, it's it, uh, yeah, there may be some truth to that, but no, I um now the prom prom night one we can both agree is just prom nights maybe the worst. It's garbage. Remake. It's awful. There's nothing I liked about it. Nothing. It's they try to make it like PG thirteen e like teeny bopper awful, just awful. No suspense whatsoever. Terrible characters, all that. But yeah. So anyway, um, but no, you know, I think. I think the Friday 13, 2009 remake was done as well as they could have for what they were going for. Michael Bay wasn't going for really any like true comedy or parody of the series, mm. aside from Chewie. He was really going for, let's make a scary remake and you know cash a check. That's um, it could just be colored in my memory, but I feel like the style of it being filmed were sort of like more muted, darker colors too, and I always want... I always want a brighter 80s palette. Well, a lot of the Michael Bay releases, the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them had the same kind of washed out color palette. I trend feel like it... Zack Snyder became popular and a lot of movies started looking Ugh. a little bit like that. They did. They really did. No, you're right. I think there's something to that. So, I mean, now we're eight years removed from the last Friday the 13th film. And we got teased a lot this past year. In 2016, <laughs> they kept teasing... And up until early parts of this year, that we would get another Friday the 13th, either reboot or continuation, what have you, and they shelved it. I was disappointed. They shelved it. And I don't know what the reason for that was. I don't know if they were worried that it wasn't going to make money, because the remake, I think, did all right. Um, made its budget back, I believe. And But I, you know, I'm not 100% sure if it was a rights issue. A lot of times it comes down to rights, in which studio has what are the rights about to expire. Do you want to pay to retain those rights? I think that had a little bit to do with it um, from what I've read, but uh, it's still a shame. It's too bad. Because I, I want to see another one. I want to see what they're going to do in Contemporary Jason. I think they could find a really fun director. I think, I mean, we haven't seen it. We could be disappointed, but I feel like the Halloween reboot is going about it the right way. Like, if you pick the right director and writer, you've someone who can have like a sense of humor about it and is like clearly familiar with the other films. I think you can make something pretty cool. Well, also what they're doing with the Halloween, the newest Halloween is John Carpenter is is um a consultant on the film. Oh, right. Yeah. So they Gordon Green and Danny McBride have ta have everything they've they've talked about as far as development of the plot for the new one. They've run by John Carpenter. So you can't really ask for you know, a better green light than working with the original director of the first two films mm -hmm. to do that. And Carpenter, I think, wrote the third one, didn't direct it. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, no, I agree. And I would love to see somebody take that kind of level of care and sort of, and, and, uh, you know, props to the original 
and, and do that with a Jason film. So I hope we get to see that at some point. Yeah, the only thing I don't want to see is someone just like ripping off the best parts and making nothing new or special. No, no. It's got to be fun. It's got to be spectacular. It's got to have a little bit of that wink, wink, nod, nod that made six so fun and some of the other ones, you know, and really the one, you know, seven and eight and all that. Um, that's what's going to take to make it to make it successful. At a minimum, you've got to cook up some original and memorable death scenes. Yes, you definitely do. Definitely do. So, um, so that's, ba- I mean, there we are. I mean, that's the Friday 13 series in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. So to go back and kind of recap, my favorites <laughs> would be part three, four, and six with an honorable mention for seven because I love the last 30 minutes of seven, as I mentioned. Ah, okay. With Carrie. Sometime this weekend, I'm going to rewatch seven and I think I'm going to rewatch Jason Goes to Hell. Ooh, I'll be, I'm down with that. Okay. Yeah. So, what, so, Steph, to recap, what are your favorite installments of the franchise? Okay. Um, part two. Part four, the final chapter. Yes. Um, probably eight, Jason Takes Manhattan. I knew it. I was waiting for that one. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I might say honorable mention um, five, A New Beginning. Okay. Okay. I know it's not a real Jason film but i think the deaths are cool i think it's fun and i like that version of tommy jarvis okay all right well that's fair so there's our recap internet yeah we've made it through episode yeah 10. episode 10 um thank you everybody who's listened yes we really appreciate it uh we love to get feedback we love to you know anything anything you got let us know yeah if you're able to give us an itunes review that would be really cool um, or if you ever just want to comment, we have an email account that we will check eventually. We will check. No, we do <laughs> check that email account. Okay. We have and will continue to. But yeah, we really do need your iTunes reviews because we like to continue doing this. Mm-hmm. And um, we want to continue making, you know, talking about classic and new horror films. And getting the iTunes review will really help us make it easier actually to find us too. Yeah, so. and feel free to send us suggestions of things you want. It's um, mybloodyhorrorcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we have the same My Bloody Horrorcast handle for, I think, both Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, you can always uh, DM us on Instagram or Facebook or just uh, you know tag anything on our wall and we'll continue to, uh, to post about the things we're watching and things we love. All right. Well, happy Friday the 13th. And, and Steph, happy 10th episode. Yeah. All right. Y'all have a great night. Bye.